Welcome. Welcome to Homepage Radio on WPKN. And every month, on the last Thursday of every month, I, Duo Dickinson, I'm an architect and I write some about architecture and homes, do something called Homepage Radio. And Homepage Radio is really not about DIY or or the trendy stuff that's going on. It's really about why people own homes and why people, all people, have homes. And whether it's a rental or the backseat of a car or your mom's basement or an attic somewhere or under a bridge, every single person has a place they call home. Well, having just said that, this show is really about something that's happening right now, this minute, right in Connecticut. And it's called Home bubble. Because the truth is, right now, the housing market in Connecticut, for those people that are owners of homes, is exploding. And that means that every construction project, no matter what it is, including those apartment buildings you see going up that will then charge rents on your apartments, those construction projects cost a bunch more. So the rents are going to go up too, by the way. Well, having said that, I'm alighting here in this wonderful studio, WPKN, with, I think, definitely the best radio engineer in the room with me right now, Rod Richardson. Hello, Rod. I am happy to uh, be able to uh, meet that bar. It's, it's, it's a high bar because I am so low. Uh, <laughs> it's just between you and me. <laughs> but you know what? You're the best architect in the room, so I think we're, I think we're square there. And I am the worst as well. So, well, then that implies that I'm also the worst. At, well, no, I'm still actually a better in, in sound engineer. Than I am. Exactly yes, correct. Yes, okay. that's, that's true. Okay. Well, wait a minute. I might be the better architect than you, too. So maybe... Oh, anyway. Um, yeah, see, see. Okay, we've rabbit hole. Let's get back to the I know. The, the audience just turned us off. Sorry about no, that. No, no, no. So, so here's the bottom line. I was talking to Rod, and, and I mentioned to him the topic of this show. And Rod said to me, oh, my gosh, tell us about your experience in the 2008 bubble crash that we all remember now from 13 years ago that happened in Connecticut's homes. Well, we were, uh, we actually had to buy a home because we were being forced out of our previous location in Bridgeport Mm. because the landlady sold the house from under us. So we ended up um, buying a home in 2004, which was just a couple of years before the the bubble burst. And so we paid on the high side for the property that we acquired. And then 2008 rolled around and the thing promptly lost at least $30,000 of value, putting us underwater on the mortgage for a a really long time. You bet. Um, and I have to say, I was sort of shocked today when I actually looked at Zillow, <laughs> which, for those of you who don't know, is a place where you can check the value of your home and get a rough estimate. You yeah. actually have to still have a certified appraiser come by and check it out. But nonetheless, um, the value of the home looks like it's somewhere in the vicinity of uh, about 35000 beyond what we paid for it. You see? And I was shocked because I had just assumed that it was just going into a steady decline. And I was one of these people that having bought in 2004... Yep and seen the bubble burst, assumed that the home was no longer going to be this font of financial security the way it was perceived to be prior to the bubble bursting. And your increase in value is literally exactly on par with pretty much every home, maybe in the south side of Connecticut. And other homes have all gone up in value, but down around here where people are leaving Manhattan, just a few, and Boston, just a few people having an increase in desire to get into this part of the world one way or another sends the whole market crazy. So when we, when I'm going to talk about this, this is for people of all ages, but especially people of the baby boomer vintage. Uh, remember the early 21st century is a time of empowerment, of maximum buying capacity, and this amazing explosion in building and creating homes everybody remembers that it was it was it really infected the entire world and actually crashed the entire world's economy not connecticut but everything in america and to give it some kind of perspective the last time this sort of market happened that was being discovered was when the cicadas were coming out back back at the time that rod was buying his house um there was this sense that housing values would simply go up and and it was just the normal thing but i'm really old so if i'm really old that means i've been through a bunch of housing bubbles that have come and gone a lot of them over the last 30 years before this uh, cicada outing that came out in 1964 so 
that night, that 2008 housing bust uh, actually lasted a whole decade in Connecticut and really New England, except for maybe Boston. And and there was there was low or even no growth in housing prices. Just like just like Rod was saying, it was a it was almost a depressed sense that the extreme cost of Connecticut homes had topped out. It was downhill from here. Well, then the COVID-19 pandemic happens and we have sequestration and the market even tanked beyond where it was. It, it actually stopped. A lot of buildings stopped. A lot of stuff stuff happened. And and they and that meant that, you know, well, maybe we're in bad shape. But if but the truth is, and this is the irony of all history, is that that summer we all began to realize after four or five months of sequestration being force fed our homes that those homes were really something that um were worth paying attention to and if something's worth paying attention to it's also worth spending money on so on moss a lot of people who had been learning and eating and exercising and even connecting in their homes as well as working completely in their homes uh, many of them found that they loved their homes or they wanted a home better than the home they had. And that included the whole area, New York City and Boston. But the idea that they could be improved was, of course, they can be approved, improved or maybe a, a new home or build a home. All those things empowered people that were extremely depressed in this in this lockdown time. And then the rush began. Well, because mortgage rates were still low. And that meant that if the mortgage rates are low and those housing prices were maybe a little bit lower than they should have been, a rush happened. And that rush has consumed so many homes that were for sale that the, that the, that the inventory, as they say, the houses that are for sale, is at the lowest level in the country since 1963. Nationwide, 40% of this market is upsizing. 30% of the homeowners see an increase in their home value already, just like Rod. 30% see the home office boom caused by COVID-19 really making their homes in need of something to be upgraded. And and that result, that need and that facility and that mortgage rate means that 40%, 40% of homes are selling for more in America than their asking price. And that has caused home prices to raise over 15% higher than they were last year. Well, I think this is a complicated thing. It's not just another market shift. Yahoo News notes that there might actually be a new market evolving, not just a bubble, simply because the mortgage debt and the, and the actual value of homes has had the net value of homes across the country so the amount that we owe on our homes and the amount the homes are worth, the net value to the homeowners has bizarrely gone up 40% because mortgages have been paid down and property values have gone up. And concurrently, bizarrely, the stock market has more than tripled since that last bubble burst in 2008. So these things, these weird things, have contributed to a strange place that needs a quick take, a quick thing that basically says, where are we? And that's what Homepage Radio is this month. This is the home bubble version of Homepage Radio. And what it really boils down to is that I think it's well known in the real estate world that the only constant is, is change, that change is the only constant. And even though we are shocked when our grocery and utility bills or car prices go up by 5%, we're not so shocked when gasoline prices dramatically rise and fall. So in the year of COVID, our homes, you know, will actually have a, a roller coaster ride beyond this time. And all I could think of is the last time we left a pandemic, the roaring 20s, a century ago, which was an era that ended, was ended by the Great Depression. After a roaring 20s decade of debt, partying, and stock market speculation. You know, I really hope history does not repeat itself, 
but at least we should know about what's going on. And so in that end, to that end, we're going to talk to three people who really know about the boom-bust cycle in homes and construction in general. So when we return, we're going to talk to Lee Whiteman, a longtime real estate broker who knows the score on homes in Connecticut. This is Duo Dickinson, Homepage Radio on WPKN 89.5 on your FM dial. Well, welcome back to Homepage Radio. My name is Duo Dickinson, and I'm an architect, and every month we get together to talk about the home because it's a universal reality, and it's not just about the things you see in home media and Zillow and and house and the other places. It's it's part of our everyday lives, and really part of every the everyday life of every person who lives in any home right now is this bizarre housing boom that has happened in the last six months, maybe eight months. And it's a thing where a series of events, maybe undervalued homes, low mortgage rates, maybe pent up demand, who knows? But the focus of COVID-19 forced us to confront what we value in our homes and where we live. And that has resulted in a lot of people wanting to do a lot of things with a lot of homes. And if, and if you remember the 2008 bubble bursting, these things are really laughably predictable. You know, I'm an architect and, and, and a lot of architects I know are feeling like they are, they are kings and queens of the world, that, that they're finally getting the recognition they deserve and maybe the fees. And builders are, now the good builders are really terrified because they see threats in every single call they get because they want to, you know, they want to do the right thing too. And, and the homeowners are in a frenzy as they are in every boom. To, they're afraid of missing out on an opportunity to own what they want. And it really does distort their outlook. And buyers and sellers are, of course, taking advantage of this or trying to not get wrecked by this. So how do you deal with this? Well, I've had on several times before and will have on several times more Lee Whiteman, who is a real estate broker and a leader of the Whiteman team at William Ravis Realty in Guilford. And she's been selling real estate up and down the shoreline since 1988. I think that's at least four booms, maybe, and busts, maybe five, and has helped her clients successfully navigate all these peaks and valleys of hot markets, slow markets, buyer's markets, and seller's markets. Lee, how are you? Hey, Duo. Nice to hear you. I'm doing really well. I bet you are. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about what's happening in your market. Well, it's very different from a year ago. So when we talk about the year of the pandemic, last year we had a surplus of inventory and properties that weren't selling, um, hadn't sold in the previous six months, were, uh, were selling quickly. But the prices were still reasonable. Mm. Um, and that continued. And then things, we started to have the, the lack of inventory because people were concerned or frightened or didn't know where they were going to go next. So starting in the fall, we started to have less inventory. Mm. Um, that, that lack of inventory has really hit home, I would say, starting in March of this year, uh, where not only do we have multiple offers on every um, on every property that's that's well priced, and I'll get back to that in a minute. But um, in my area, I would say ninety percent of the houses are being sold over asking price. Ninety. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And and the the perception I we have very savvy buyers. If a house is on the market for two or three weeks, they say, "What's wrong with it? Mm. Why is it?" what's going on and usually because it's overpriced um the buyers are anxious to jump onto the uh onto the bandwagon of a house that's in good condition and is well priced and then they seem to kind of lose that caution when it comes to give us your highest and best and uh it's really pumping up the price well you know Um, you just you you open the door to this and i think it's really critical for people that are listening to this in their cars or having lunch and, and they might own a home or a condo or thinking about buying one. Um, how do you see, cause you've been through this a lot. You and I both have, how do you see, yeah. um, 
this phenomenon, this weird six, eight months or whatever it is, how do you see it changing the perspectives of the way just people in general look at homes? How do you think they've changed in this soon to be post COVID time? Um, it's, it's almost, well, there's different strata. As we know, in every market, there's, there's different strata. You've got the, the market that's, you know, up to 350 and then 350 to 600, 600 to a million and then up mm. above a million. Um, I'm finding that up to, up to about 650 buyers who have either decided they need to buy a new house, um, or have sold their house and are frantic to buy mm. a new house mm. or are moving into the neighborhood, into the area from, from out of, out of the area, um, are showing up at every listing. Really? Getting on every wow. listing. Wow. Because if you're not in the, if you're, if you're not in the pot, you don't have a chance. There's uh, there's no chance to, uh, um, ponder and think about it. So, mm. for instance, when I have a new listing, I try really hard to make sure the house is on the market for three days before the seller and I really dissect the different offers that have come in so that people can come back for a second look if they want to yeah. or or be more thoughtful about it. But that's not always what's happening. I've had calls come from other agents that have said, I know you have a, a showing today at three, but the seller has said they want highest and best by noon today, so come or not. Wow. So it's it, it's created, in that strata of the market, it's created that kind of frenzy. Well, this is interesting because, you know, that is the anecdotal story I think a lot of people have heard, and it's obviously quite true. I would love you, because you really know this better than I do. If, if you were sitting back and you're looking at all the buyers and sellers that you've had these, really, these last... You know, thirty plus years. If you look look at them in this swing from boom to bust, bust to boom, what do you think changes in people's minds when they're looking at homes either to buy or sell? How do you see their minds being changed by this, by any boom, but by this boom in particular? I think that it's not just this boom in particular, but I think it's um, individuals' access to information. Oh. The thing that I've been so impressed by in the past five, seven years, is that people who are pursuing a house purchase know what they're talking about. Yeah. They've, they've gone in and researched values. They know what it last sold for. They know what the surrounding houses sold for. So we, in general, I think we have a pretty educated buy, buyer pool, mm. and that's different. Mm. They used to really rely on, um, on uh, you know, uh, you. What the professionals said <laughs> on us, but, but the difference is, is that now we do get people who say, "If I, wh- what should I bid?" Yeah, and I say, "Look at look at all of the data I've given you, all the data you've collected yourself, and think about how long you're going to live there. Yes, and if things change, will you be okay?" Yeah, and um, that is that's an important conversation. But there, I think buyers are more um, informed. And um, I think that they, um, the lenders are also mm. being more cautious than they've been in other boom-bust cycles. Well, you, you open the door to this, and I think it's really great. A lot of us, you know, a lot of us, it's architects, lawyers, doctors, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, shall we say, uh, bad, bad characterizations of motives and outcomes of all these professions. And, and you know, my, my contacts with, with you and... Todd, other people that are that, that we're going to be talking today, those those contacts are almost universally positive because the people are great, and they're thoughtful, and they they think about not this boom or this bust, but the market in general. When you look at this, you know, more than thirty year career, what changes do you see? I know these people are more educated, but how does that change the way you act as a as a real estate broker in this time? Well. Um it's easy. It's it's easier to deliver information. Mm. Um, that's that has been a real asset, I think, to being able to assist people. Um, the the promise of if if you find a house, I will give you a market analysis so that you have your eyes wide open when you're buying. Yeah. That's that's a difference. People really used to just count on their on their agent for 
thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, and I think I think being able to say say to people, this is not forever. This is not going to. Um, you know, this cycle is not going to last forever. Mm. And if you're okay, you know, some in some instances, people have to move. They've yep. got to buy a house. Um, and you get strategic about it. So you figure out how do you make it so that they can offer cash or how can they mm. um, bypass having a, uh, a full inspection or something with their full knowledge and acceptance. Yeah. But also helping people say, is this a move of desire, of necessity? Why are you moving? And and sometimes they can say, you know what? I just need to sit put, stay put, mm. sit tight, and maybe do what you were talking about. Figure out how they can improve the house that they're already in. Well, you, you again, this has been a great interview because you just segued to my last question, which is pretty simple. Tell me what you think about the future. What what will happen in the next year of this strange time? Will it flame out or will it be an? I mean. What's bizarre is Yahoo News is thinking this is a new market, not a bubble, that this recognizes underselling for the last year, and that's recognized by the fact that the the net worth of homes in America has gone up, net of mortgages, by more than 40% since the bubble. So what what do you think is the future of, of, of what you do, home homes, transactions, sales, just owning homes? Well... Yeah, when I think when I think about what happened in 2007, 2008, and uh, people's perception is that they had lost uh, so much equity in, in so little time, um, I think back to when I started in real estate, buying a three-bedroom ranch. Maybe it was 30 years old or 40 years old. You could buy one for about 150 thousand right. dollars, and you can't buy one for 150 thousand dollars now. It's 300 thousand. So I think even if there is a dip, it is not going to, um, it's not going to go back mm. to you know where where we were 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I think um, we're entering a new market. I think that there's going to be um, higher higher prices, and part of that's also influenced by the fact that we are um, effectively closer to the metropolitan areas. Um, and um, we know that the metropolitan areas have had very high prices for much longer yes. than we have. And so I think that I think this is going to be a new normal. Well, Lee, as always, your thoughts are really valuable. I appreciate your time, and I really appreciate appreciate your expertise. This is Lee Whiteman we're talking to. It was with the uh, with the Whiteman team at, at uh, William Ravis in Guilford. So, so Lee, thank you so much for being on air with me. Well, I I really appreciate your thoughtful questions. It's it's just so much. It's so interesting to talk with you. Well, it's a thanks pleasure. for having me. So when we come back, we're going to talk to another really person that I honestly think knows the truth rather than the hype, uh, and actually thinks about what what where we are in ways just like Lee did, and where we're going. That actually would give insight versus simply buy now. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Todd Gould, uh, who's a terrific real estate professional for over 40 years. This is Duo Dickinson at Homepage Radio, WPKN 89.5 FM. Well, welcome back to Homepage Radio. My name is Duo Dickinson. I'm an architect. And every month on WPKN, uh, we create a show called Homepage Radio. And it's about homes, the universal reality of pretty much all humans. I mean, every animal has a home, but only humans really think of it as an extension of who they are and think about the homes as really a reflection of what they value and, and or what they don't value and are frustrated so homes have this unique personal relationship to each person who's listening to this radio show. And I actually think, to be honest, that WPKN has a unique relationship to every single person listening to this radio. And uh, WPKN is a unique place, a place that is different than any other radio station that I know because of the extraordinary volunteer commitment uh, to the to the station. And also, it's in a wonderful moment of transition where it's going to new studios, uh, and a whole new life 
And the response of the people that are involved in this radio station has been overwhelming. So if you want to take a look at the WPKN website and you think that there might be some way that you could contribute to this effort of moving into new studios literally this summer, please look look and see what the possibilities are and, and, and try to see if you could be part of WPKN. It's a place that is completely open, welcoming, but also bears the fruit of so much good intention in the product which comes out every minute of every day, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Terrific radio on WPKN. Listener, created, sponsored, and for radio. So we're talking this month on home page radio, we're talking about a weird phenomenon, which sounds pretty hypey and, 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 and not long view. It's, it's this bizarre housing bubble that we now have after about a decade, really almost 12 years of, of really sad um, depression in the Connecticut housing market and in many other markets in the country. And that, that bubble has struck very hard in the world of construction. It's, it's made things hard to build, very expensive. Speaking as an architect, it's really hard to design things and you really don't know what they cost. Um, but it's also made it very, very hard for people thinking about their very first home. I mean, the, 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 the price bump is great for people that own homes. It's not great for people that want to own homes. So with 52% of 18 to 29 year olds living at home, which is the highest rate in over 100 years. This boom is not exactly a uh, happy clappy moment. This is a time when your limitations as a person that owns a home or wants to own a home are made stark and real in the incredible flow of information that Lee Whiteman was just talking about. The fact that everybody can be on Zillow, on house, on any one of these websites and see where the prices are and what you cannot do. Well, that's the downside. The other side of all of this is that real estate brokers are experiencing a whole different world, as we just heard from Lee Whiteman. And one of those real estate brokers that has sold houses even longer than Lee Whiteman has is, is Todd Gould, who has been on the Connecticut shore his entire life. And he's been in real estate for over 40 years years and he's with Sotheby's in Madison right now but his his expertise has seen at least four I'm thinking Todd maybe even six busts and booms over the course of your career so Todd Gould how are you I am fine duo and uh, thanks thanks for having me on your show well you know what I just posited this thing if you had to guess and and, and somebody was giving you truth serum um how many booms and busts have you actually lived through in, in your time as a real estate broker? Um, I would say four, I think, is about it. Uh, I mean, you know, one one person's boom is a different person's bust. Yes. Uh, but that being said, you know, the, the, the 80s were a time, and then the 05, 06, 07, and into the 08 was the other bigger time. Most of the booms, except for the last one that I experienced, um, or a bust, I should should say, a bust was when prices were not going up. They uh, flatlined. Uh, and that was, okay, I guess we're into a downward way, and prices just stayed the same for whether it was a year or two or three. Hmm. This last time was the first time in all my years that I experienced pricing going down and by a decent amount. Hmm. And, and what's interesting about that is, is to me, because I've been through a few of these too, because I've been an architect about as long as you've been a real estate broker, is just how long this phenomenon was. The other busts were, you know, a bunch of years, you know, three, five, eight years, if you counted the uh, 2008 version. Yeah. But the busts were, you know, a year, two, maybe three. We suffered in Connecticut for about a dozen years. Um, do you think that that if something's a dozen years long, do you think that that's not a bust, but a market? I mean, this is a weird way of putting it. We think about these things as cyclical, but sometimes cycles last so long, they become continuities. Do you think that- Right, no, I, right, I think you're right. I think because of the length of time, that was the the, the marketplace itself. It wasn't an Mm. adjustment that got to the next stage. Yeah. Well, that, that I think is, sets up this next question, which I think is something I asked Lee, and I, 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 would, I really would value what you think. I mean, 
pull back as much as you can from this momentary freak show of people going nuts. Um, what? How do you see this phenomenon reflecting, really, reflecting how people think about their homes in the broader sense after COVID? How do you think people's perceptions of homes have changed in this time where this boom sort of exploded? But before it, when during COVID, how do you see people's visions of what they want changing because of all this? Well, well, I think it's changed in a huge way where now with everyone, not everyone, most everyone being forced to work from home and having to learn Zoom, uh, yes, we will go back to a different time, but it's not going back in full. There are people who will want to be at home, will not want to jump into that train or car and go a half hour or an hour to work every day. They may take less wage in order to have life at home more with the kids and, and, and that kind of stuff. So I, I think it's really changed where a home is more important than just coming to and from. Mm. Um, it's also the entertainment where, mm. you know, when you couldn't go out to a YMCA or a beach or a park or whatever, um, they wanted to make their home deck the outdoor space mm. that everyone wants. They wanted to have a swimming pool um, and all of that stuff. So a home, I believe, is even more important than it ever was. Uh, and I think folks are more more aware of that. Mm. Well, you know, that that weirdly leads to my next thought, which I also think you're uniquely qualified to, to talk about. Um, you and every other serious real estate broker versus somebody just, just in there to, to, to sell, sell, sell. How how does this interlude, this, and I'm guessing it's about been about six or eight months, how does this sort of flip that happened from extreme depression, well, long-term sort of calm depressed view to extreme view of depression during a, a COVID lockdown to this new sense of emerging new market. How does that, how has that changed your life as a, as a broker who's done this for so long? How do you find your life changing in terms of your clientele and how you present homes to people? Oh, sure. Um, Lee, Lee hit it on the head when, when she said our buyers are more informed, so we don't have to be the person who calls them up in the morning to say something's come on. Mm. Most everyone is signed up online mm. with a real estate app like HomeSnap that will send them something that is coming on that day or that yeah. time when it comes active, the buyer knows and the yeah. buyer's on the phones. Uh, we, we, uh, the iPhone only came out in June of 07. Mm. So the world we now live in is almost instant where everyone knows about something new. They don't have to wait for a call from the realtor. They don't have to look in the newspaper for an ad. They know it, and if they're interested, they better then make make an appointment to see the home because, as Lee alluded to, if it's halfway priced well, it's going to go in a very fast time. And it basically comes down to, as you alluded to, simple math supply and demand Mm. and the supply just as an example in in madison in the pre-covid years the last three or four 16 17 18 or so uh the inventory at this time mid to late may was literally in the low 200s might even reach up to 265 active houses for sale Right now, this morning when I looked in Mm. Madison, and this number hasn't changed much in the last month, it might go up one or down one, 31 homes. Wow. So you're talking about one-eighth, one-ninth of the inventory. Wow. So that is pushing everyone along. And then, of course, the demand is the opposite, where there are more buyers than there have ever been. Yeah. So it's just, it's a market that's not, for the faint of heart, but folks are wanting to get that home, and I think they are getting pushed above what they really want. One, because as they're leaving a home they've just seen, there's someone out their side who's having to wait until you leave for them to come in, and then when they leave, someone else is. That just sort of feeds the 
the frenzy. And, um, and if you're a strong buyer and you've lost out on two or three bids because everyone else is in there too, you're almost to the point you don't care what a house costs. You will pay more <laughs> than it's worth if, um, if you can. Dangerous it's territory. It's shame for the newer buyers that you alluded to, first-time buyers, because in the marketplace we're in, it's just not for the faint of heart. No. Hey, I could talk all day with you, but right now I've got uh, the, 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 the broadest picture I can think of coming up after you. So thank you so much for you your bet. time in this. This is Todd Gould, who works at Sotheby's in Madison and has done this for so long. His insight is invaluable. So thank you, Todd, for joining us. Okay. Um, and, and feel free to call anytime, Joe. You got it. Hey, when we come you back, bet. we're going to talk to Martin Peterson, who's really got uh, an enormous perspective having dealt with architecture building for almost as much time i think as todd's been selling homes and i do think that is actually quite a um i do think that's actually quite a uh, quite a recommendation to have us uh talk to him about this boom bust cycle on homepage radio so when we come back martin peterson Hey, welcome back to Homepage Radio. My name is Duo Dickinson. I'm an architect, and I write a lot about uh, architecture and, and homes in places like Hearst Publications and and Common Edge. And Common Edge is a great website that's been around for, I think, five or six years. It was founded by our guest, Martin Peterson. But before I go, I go to Martin Peterson, and by the way, it was also founded by another great person who Martin will tell us about. But anyway... Um, a funny thing happened on the way to being an architect this week. We're doing a project that's been, been um, and it's not a home, it's basically just a building project for uh, an incredible service agency in New Haven. And we're in the middle of bidding, and it's, it's, it's a pretty rough-and-tumble bidding environment because of all this construction uh, focus due to this boom that we're talking about today on Homepage Radio. And a strange thing happened. Because Amazon is buying steel unseen all across the United States, buying up steel, not with any specific designs, just buying steel to use to build hundreds of distribution centers. The steel that we had specced out for this place was simply unavailable, the type of steel that we had. That's the first time really actually in my experience as an architect. When when Andrew, the hurricane, went through Florida, I think 30 years ago, we had a horrible situation where it really wasn't a boom so much as it was there was an enormous price spike in everything it takes to build a home because hundreds of thousands of homes had to be either rebuilt or built from scratch because of Andrew. Well, you could make a case that this boom is just like Hurricane Andrew. This sweep of enhanced value has met the limitations of the the materials needed to build things but even more it's actually meant confronting the extraordinary supply chain issues with making a building all these products that come together that were easily transitioned from local sourcing to national sourcing for all of these things that make any any construction all these national sources are now getting paralyzed by the inability to transport by function because of COVID and now because of this building boom. So this is more than just a, oh my gosh, my home costs more to, to, to buy or, oh my gosh, I can get this much more for my home. This is about the human condition, I think, about the fact that when we want something, we value it. And when we value it, we try to get it. And it's not just about homes. It's about everything. It can be about clothing or food or, or our cars. But having said that, not too many people know construction in the way that Martin Peterson does. He was uh, a, a writer and a critic and an editor uh, for a long time um, at um, Metropolitan, not Metropolitan Home, at uh, 
Where were the heck were you the executive editor? Metropolis. Metropolis. That's where you're the executive Metropolis editor. Metropolis <laughs> <laughs> that I blame that on COVID just because. Um, uh, but he also created something called the Common Edge Collaborative, which I write for pretty much once a month. And with... with today? Yes, today, in fact. And, and, and yeah. Martin... Bingler, if I get that correct, not um, Stephen Bingler. Stephen yeah. Bingler uh, co-founded this, and they've tried to not follow the typical uh, architects are great, uh, the world is good, uh, we know the truth, uh, march on forward. They've actually tried to look at the world of construction in a circumspect way, thinking about how construction both changes and is changed by our common culture, and that train of thought I find to be an extraordinary gift in any time, but is extremely important in these this last year and two or three months of change, where the articles on Common Edge Collaborative, which you should go and see, the articles have talked a lot about the changes that the human condition has made in the way we build everything. And since this is home page, we're focusing on homes, but I'm going to pull back in this segment so and really think about construction in general buildings in general with martin and the first thing martin is i want you to give us your best guess and and i don't think anybody knows this but why do you think we go through all these cycles this boom bust thing that happens almost on a regular basis with the exception of the last dozen years where it's just been all bust and no boom why do we go through these cycles well i mean First of all, you guys have been using the term real estate market. So, so by, by its very definition, a market has fluctuating value. Mm. So, so the, the, the price of homes is, is always variable. Uh, I mean, one of, the, you know, one of the things you learn when you buy a house, or more, actually more profoundly when you sell a house, mm. is your house is only worth what you can sell it for that day. Mm-hmm. Not, not what somebody sold, sold it for uh, a year ago or what they might sell it for a, a year now. The, the, the market is fluid and the price is of the moment. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 that's when, when, when people over, 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 overprice their, their houses, usually they're guilty of latching on to price, uh, you know, a previous market, but the market is always now. Mm. So, so your, 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 your value is the current market. Mm. It's, it's not, it's not the perceived market or what it used to be or what, what you think it will be. Mm. It is, it is what it is now. Mm. So it's, it's uh, markets are always a fluid thing. Yep. Um, I, I, you know, just as a, you know, uh, exercise before coming on today, I, I, I know that my, parents in back in 1953 bought a three-bedroom house on Long Island in Northport mm. uh, for twelve thousand dollars <laughs> and uh, the, you know and then I looked at you know what's what's the value of twelve thousand dollars today and it's right. about a hundred and thirty or hundred and forty thousand dollars it got sold after my parents lived lived in there for 50 years for for five hundred thousand dollars so it's certainly accrued in value, uh, it outpaced uh, inflation handsomely. But my parents didn't buy that house in 1953 uh, as an an investment. They just bought it as a place to live. And I think increasingly now people are it's their for the the middle class and the upper middle class, it's it's their primary financial investment. Right. So, so much of our economy is tied to houses and prices of houses yep. that, you know, when that sector tanks, I mean, the, the 08 recession, that was a housing incurred uh, bloodbath. Yes. But that's because so much wealth is tied up in houses uh, for, for a myriad of, a number of different rate reasons. So, so the, the cycles have, we've always cycled through things, but they do seem more severe. Yeah. And I think that's because there's more money in the sector itself. Mm. In the 60s, 50s and 60s, there, there wasn't as much money tied up um, in, in, in housing. Well, uh, the value this... of them has accrued over time. Yep. And here we are. And, and we also right now, I think we have an under... Uh, certain parts of the ma- uh, uh, the market are underserved now, yep. and uh, so there's just shortages of, of sort of 
upper middle class houses. There just aren't enough of them. Well, you, you, know? you actually read my mind because when you say this, I mean, it's always very interesting. We try to do uh, a thing at homepage where we never assume that this upper middle class life of coastal Connecticut is the way the average or even median human actually exists. A lot of people rent where they live. A lot of people can't afford to ever even think about buying a home. And I like your perspective because here's, I'll tell you my perspective and you can tell me if I'm wrong. When, when things like this happen, when, when values either crash up or crash down, I think almost unendingly the victims are the people that don't have enough money to own where they live they have to they're subject to renting someone else's place to live in and absolutely and new stuff that gets built now is going to be 15 to 30 percent more expensive and ultimately that means that rents are going to be 15 to 30 percent more expensive when yeah, a bus happens when a bust happens the the landowner that owns the home will simply stop improving the value of the home because it's throwing good money after bad and the tenant suffers so how do you now, how do you see all of this? I completely agree. I think that I think especially booming uh, real estate markets uh, make uh, poor renters vulnerable to displacement. Yes, I, I don't think there's there's no doubt about that. Um, no doubt about it. I mean, everybody you know, everybody loves to throw out the stack because California has a housing you know, a crisis. Yeah. Um, you know, it just doesn't, especially LA, it, it's missing like 500,000 units. They just, mm. they, they just haven't built them. But, but the irony is they're not missing, uh, top, you know, upper, uh, upper, you know, the high, the high stuff they're still building. They're just not building for the, the mm. middle and the low part of the market because yeah. there's no incentives to build it. You know, right. they, they are building units. But they're but they're catering to, to to the upper part of the market and completely ignoring you know the middle and the bottom and that's where the crisis is and I think that's an I, I think that's a national problem as well. Well, this is interesting because this this touches on something that I'm just thinking of right now and it could be right or wrong. But you know uh, this 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 housing boom localized phenomenon in Connecticut and I think you're calling me from New Orleans if I'm not mistaken. Or I'm yeah. calling you from New Orleans. I mean, calling you from Connecticut to New Orleans. My 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 take is 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 that this change, which is maybe brief and and maybe only in the upper middle class to rich side of the universe, impacting everyone, reflects sequestration to some level. This year long oh, yeah. of of pulling back, and I'm wondering yeah, I, uh, with your perspective, which is a good one. How has sequestration changed everyone's thoughts about where they live, not just the people that are buying $600,000 houses in Connecticut? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it was suddenly you were, you were in your house, you know, I don't know, what seemed like days on end was actually months on end. Mm. Uh, it gave you, it gave you an entirely uh, different perspective on your house, and it, not all of them in good way, good ways. Yeah, yeah, yep. um, So uh, you know, I I just kept you know I'm I'm we rent down here, and uh, I, I love my neighborhood, but I'm, I live in a bit of a ramshackle house, which mm -hmm. I found charming under normal circumstances, and when I was stuck in the house all the time, I found less ah. charming. <laughs> uh, you know the things that I thought were kind of oh, kind of amusing. That's New Orleans. Uh, got got slightly more tiresome. That's interesting. As I was spending my fourth or fifth or sixth or eighth month inside the house, so that that definitely gave me a, a, a perspective. And I certainly understand people wanting to improve their houses. I mean it. it we suddenly we were we were sort of captives in our houses for mm. the first time ever ever and that certainly changed our relationship to our houses there's no doubt i mean if, i mean the positive thing was uh our our street became closer together you know yep. uh, we have we have porches in new orleans it's one of the great great things about the and you know we we get a lot of distant uh partying where with our neighbor next door who was 15 feet away and mm. had a beer and we had a beer and, and especially in the early months of the p pandemic when it was really kind of lonely uh there our porches were uh social lifesavers interesting 
Well, you know, this is, uh, I think, going to be remembered as as a unique time, but maybe either it's either going to be back to business as usual or it's going to be a a change. And one of my great fears, and you've allowed me to write about this, has been that this is going to be the advent of a new Roaring Twenties of, you know, what was called, you know, unjustified enthusiasm in the in the stock market crashes of days gone by. What is it? Irrational, exuberant consumerism. Um, that, was, uh, that was Alan Greenspan. That was Alan Greenspan. Now, the question I have is, is as you look at this with only a perspective I think you, you have better than mine, tell, tell me how long does something like this, how long do you think this, not something like this, how long do you think this type of thing goes on? Is there going to come a time when things come crashing back to normal or are we just going to be launched into a different world? Um, I don't think... The pandemic, I, I, I think for the first time I have a clear idea of where we are in the pandemic, mm. and I think where we are is at the beginning of the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think things just snap back to March 2020 before mm. the lockdown. I just think things have been disrupted so much that certain things snap back and then other things are irrevoc- irrevocably uh, changed. I, I just... I see that. I, and I especially see that with work, mm. offices. There, there's no way that snaps back to the way it was. Yep. I, I think that that's going to become a different thing. Yeah. Um, uh, cities, cities were disrupted. New York was disrupted. Um, rents for the first time went down in, what, 20 years, yes. 25 years. Um, so New York is is... is in for some sort of change. It could be a positive change as well. It could have, it, it, you know, lowered rents could mean that artists can move back to New York City. Who knows? So we don't, we don't know. Some of the changes are not going to be great, and then some of the changes might be surprisingly good. But we're not going back to March 2020. It, it, we're going we're, we're gonna to enter a new world. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. So if... if- in the one minute I've got left, because Rod's giving me the hairy eyeball here in the studio, in the one in the one minute that I have left with you, um, what do you actually think the world will look like? And you have to you have to choose. You can't say I don't know. In in ten years, what what do you think there will be? A, a permanently higher price, a lower price, better housing, worse housing. What do you think happened? You got twenty seconds. Twenty seconds. I think by by in ten years we're going to have well we will have had a series of climate reckonings ah. that will fundamentally force us to change almost every way in which we live. I, I think that there'll be uh, cities that will have to think about moving. I, I, I think I think there's a, there's a reckoning coming around climate. Well, thank you so much, Martin, for being part of this. This has been a real joy. Sorry about that, too. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. So this is Duo Dickinson. This is Homepage Radio. And I want to thank everyone for coming. This is WPKN 89.5 FM. Do go to the website. It is worth seeing. And thank you for joining us on WPKN 89.5 Homepage Radio.